Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. In the teaching, uh, it seems like um, this way of uh, talking about the nature of, uh, of events, experiences, um, phenomena, is um, by using this term of uh, empty, emptiness, empty. And this term might be a little scary when we hear it, like, what do you mean, empty? You know, like, maybe... We make association with uh, annihilation or kind of abyss-like nothingness. Um, and in a way, I think I'd like to present the idea that uh, maybe an equivalent term uh, could be fullness. Synonymous to empty might be fullness. And it's for us to explore and see what what really uh, is behind what what is it's pointing to what it's referring to. But certainly, one of the ways we talk about empty uh, is to mean uh, conditional, meaning that things happen, uh, things are conditional, contingent. They need conditions to get together for something to happen, like for this retreat to happen. This retreat is empty in Buddhist terms. What it means is this retreat is conditional. It means somebody that has the idea of organizing it and puts the effort and it needs people to register. It needs. Would you agree that it needs a lot of conditions for this to happen? We could go back to the Buddha. We, it needed the, the Buddha to be born for this retreat to happen. Even if we are inspired by, uh, for example, this revered master teacher that is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, maybe um, he would say maybe uh, that it needed the Big Bang for this to happen. You know that the whole story of the universe is is uh, you know is is interrelated to what is happening here. That we needed so many things, huh? and for you, just for any one of us to come individually. It needed some particular conditions to run into the information, to uh, consider that crazy endeavor <laughs> as something that would be worthwhile doing, etc. So it's conditional. And so the teaching says that there's nothing that exists by itself in the world of things and events and experiences. That for us to exist, it needed uh, you know, the meeting of the parents or... Uh, Um, the birth, at least, needed that. Uh, so things are conditional in this way. And, uh, and so the path that we're on is conditional. It's, uh, it's a very wise, very clever, if I may say it like this, recognition that well-being, inner peace, freedom are conditional we can create the conditions to gain access to it and the path is a deep understanding of the conditional conditional nature of healing and so it says okay so healing is not just a wish you know or freedom it needs condition for us to discover uh, discover this so let's gather together bring some silence pay attention so we bring some conditions together Here today is a very particular day because um, because um, because there's been a few days of practice before. So this is not any old day of practice. It's a very particular day because there was be before Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 
these, and so we've been gathering things together. We've been collecting our minds, uh, unifying. Even if it's very uneven, you're like, well, I'm not sure <laughs> if I fit in that description. Still, we're gathering something. Collectively, we are, and individually, we are. And, uh, and, and so there's these days be, be, behind us uh, where there was a lot of efforts put, a lot of humility, a lot of starting over again. And so it makes this uh, day very, very precious. We actually don't know if the conditions will be one day that there will be three or four days uh, of practice, intense practice before. We don't know if we'll have the chance to do this again. Even if you think, I know, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> Even that is a thought that might be true, might absolutely be true. It might be very clear. But we've seen, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I don't know why, but I'm back again this year. Because <laughs> there's something in me that recognizes they might, it's not fun. It's, it, you know, it's not fun, but it seems like no one will do it for me. You know, and that I have to, yeah. So the path is a, is a, a wise use of condition, creating the condition that supports uh, healing, the opening of the heart, the birth, or cultivation of compassion, or a friendliness of maybe some kind of lightness that we didn't know was possible, even in these uh, conditions of our life, challenging conditions of our life. So insight, wisdom, insight, a deeper understanding, a change of perception that is liberating, uh, is conditional. And so what we do here, we create these conditions. There's a, you might know the story of Soma. And Soma is practicing in the woods at the time of the Buddha. And uh, Mara, which is a, in the, the Buddhist uh, philosophy, teachings, or psychologies, Mara represents the, the afflictive emotions. And so uh, Soma is practicing in the woods. Uh, everything's going fine. And Mara shows up. Who do you think you are? Do you think you can uh, open the heart? That you can free the mind? Who do you think you, you are? Women can't accomplish this. It's not possible for women to accomplish this. And Mara... Uh, not Mara, but Soma responds, uh, Honey Pie, two things I want to say to you. One is women can completely do this work. There's no problem at all for women. Second, maybe most important thing, if you want to mess up with somebody's mind, please find somebody who believes they're a man or a woman and then play with their mind. You know? <laughs> So, sorry, I'm doing my practice. Yeah. And Mara's like, you know, and often it's described, I don't know in this case, but described like Mara walks away, sits in the ground, takes a stick and starts like playing with this <laughs> in the dirt, you know, like, well, that didn't work so well. You know, I thought I was like up to creating some mess, but like the Soma had insight. Soma was not identified, was not... Soma had a deep insight, which was conditional to their practice. Yeah. There's another story where um, uh, higher caste folks come to see uh, uh, the Buddha. High caste men come to see the Buddha, and they say, uh, you know... Uh, we're having a debate, and uh, so one of them speaks and says, we're having a debate, and I'm saying that uh, you can tell a person's worth uh, because of their birth, you know? Is that true or not? You're supposed to be very wise, tell us. You know? And the Buddha says, um, by their birth, I'll tell you a few things. You can tell by their birth that a cow is a cow. You can tell by their birth that an insect is an insect. You can tell by their birth that a snake is a snake. It's by their birth that you determine that a cow is a cow or a snake a snake. By their birth, you can tell that a human being is a human being. That's pretty much it, honey pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you cannot tell anything else because of genitals. That's the Buddha speaking. 
because of uh, skin color, because of nose, eyes, ears. Uh, you cannot tell anything uh, about a person besides that they're a human being by their birth. This is it. The rest is you see how the person behaves, how they take care of their relations. I'm putting it in my words here. You know? And this uh, will tell you the worth of a person, not their genitals, not their skin color, not their any of the features you can't tell by this. This is deep insight, apparently. It needs a reflection and to, uh, to see this very clearly for oneself. And so things being conditional, here what we're doing is we're, uh, we're maybe there's a big or small or some amount of uh, uh, um, the expression, uh, the phrase uh, will come back in a second, like a leap of faith. It needs a leap of faith. But in the teachings here that we're exploring, it says bring attention, one, to the body. To the or the physical environment, if you want to think in this way, plug yourself in, tune in to the material reality through the f- the senses. Become aware of wetness, dryness, dampness, uh, heat, cold, uh, vibration at the ear door, uh, all the experiences of taste, savory, uh, sweet. Come very close to the material material physicality of the world. Uh, so that's one of the instructions we're playing with here. Huh? We're developing this. We're inviting ourselves, reminding ourselves, starting over again. Another uh, thing that the Buddha is inviting us to do in order to develop clarity of mind, freedom, not have to believe what others say, but see for ourselves. A kind of a, you could describe it as an inner ethic, an ethic, an integrity, you know, a clear seeing that comes from the inside. Uh, and how do you do this? By being very attentive to uh, the experiences uh, of the body, of the material world, however you want to think about it. Um, being attentive to experiences of pleasure and displeasure when they're, hap- they're happening, their presence, their absence, their arising, the arising of pleasure, the passing of pleasure, of displeasure, tuned in of, uh, around this. And then the mind, all things that we've talked about here, huh? So the mind, the mind with its, uh, with its emotions and states, mind states, the mind with its qualities, the mind with its thoughts, the mind with its perception, this whole, that's a big field, you know. But we go very locally. We sit here and we become aware of the sound of the vent, you know. I'm developing wisdom, apparently, by connecting with reality. You know? Underneath my opinions, underneath just the experience of vibration. And then by being with this, maybe I've discovered that I'm breathing, or that there's availability or obsession in the mind. So that's the... And another step, we're doing this already, but just to name it today. So the Buddha invites us to be aware of, uh, uh, you know, body, pleasure, displeasure, heart, mind, what's happening there, the presence of lots of thoughts, maybe, or the absence of thoughts, a mind that is more receptive, to discover the textures of the mind or heart. You know. And then there's a kind of a fourth, you might have counted, body, pleasure, displeasure, mind, heart. And then there's a fourth invitation. Uh, and this invitation is to become proficient <laughs> experts it's, it's very gradual but to develop an expertise around accompanying the mind from uh, affliction to uh, beautiful qualities of mind that's, that's partly why we're here so how do you accompany a mind that is in, uh, in anxiety in despair what, what is possible here Of course, despair could bring more despair. It would be only natural. But what's the art of, uh, from despair or anxiety, uh, uh, inviting the birth of uh, tenderness? How can there be this alchemy where 
compassion can arise, like what we were doing uh, yesterday evening with Anushka. It's mysterious to me that the contact with what is difficult could create, uh, you know, blame, shame, agitation, uh, discouragement, uh, wanting to not be. It would be very natural. And how is it possible that the contact with what is difficult can produce love? This needs research. This needs exploration. And so a part of the invitation of the Buddha is to become attentive to this, how we can accompany the mind from agitation to a little bit more quietness, from aversion to curiosity maybe. And so today we have the chance maybe to explore this. Ah, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. You know, it's going to be a lot of trials and errors. But this is something we can do together. We're already doing this. I'm just putting it in different words or new words this morning. But um, this is the recognition of, oh, there's an opportunity here. This mind is down maybe or contracted, you know. How, how could the contracted mind uh, be the opportunity for something else, something else here, tenderness being one of the possibilities, or sometimes humor. It's really interesting how my mind can be like this, and maybe because of somebody else, what they say or what they do, or being together, or something at some point makes me laugh to see my mind coming again with an opinion preference, uh, getting all worked up about it's not like this, that it should be done, you know. It's like, oh, oh yeah, you have something else to suggest about reality and how it should unfold, you know. And there might be the possibility of uh, some playfulness here and there, not always, sometimes not. But it's possible that here today, we might, might not, but it's possible that we might have some, there's a particular quality that I call that I think it's called in English pliability of mind. And so I'll use this example again. I think I said this here, and I'll, that may be the last thing I'll say today. This morning is, um, you know, sometimes I'm here and I notice the mind is, I don't know, it could be a little harsh, a little impatient, slight. Huh? It's not like a big kind of tsunami, big, big wave. It's like just like a, like almost a mood of impatience, of like, come on, life, you know, meditation, give me some, you know. It's not, there's no words, it's just kind of an attitude. And if I become aware of this, you know, then sometimes maybe I can say, oh, could this mind be friendly a little bit? And sometimes, sometimes, yeah, it just, op- it, it was just habitual, it was a habitual kind of grumpiness that unrecognized worked really well, <laughs> did its thing. But recognized and inviting something else, maybe I can let go of this habit. At other times, I'm like, oh, I wonder if the mind could have friendliness here instead of like all this resentment or charge. You know, No. No. Okay. Friendliness is not available here now. You know, it's good to know. It's good to know. Oh, so the mind is little charge, little rigid, no blame, no, just recognizing oh, that's what we're dealing with here. It's a little charge here. What else is possible? You know, and maybe uh, abandoning the theme of obsession and just saying, oh, Pascal, okay, let's not be friendly, but could we be aware of the light or the space, you know, uh, redirecting attention instead of nurturing or feeding a story maybe it's possible at least for a few seconds to abandon uh, a theme in my mind and redirect attention to something else so that's for us to explore how do we accompany uh, go from a a mind that is uh, entangling to a mind that is uh, liberating, onward leading Shall we play with this a little bit? It's worth trying, I think. It's possible, that's what the Buddha says, 
the text we read this. I, I wouldn't talk about this if it was not possible. I talk about this because it's possible. Not easy, but possible. So do what you need to do to uh, be able to begin this uh, meditation here. It might be to change posture, to release the posture for a few seconds. that you can stand at any time you could stand now or later sometimes it's helpful to practice with eyes open sometimes with eyes closed that's going to be supportive of the quality of presence sometimes we don't know we have to try out One entry point here might be to become aware of the environment. It's a way to become aware of uh, the body somehow, because how do we know the environment? Through the senses. It might be less threatening than coming straight in the body. Discovering the environment a way to discover the body maybe in a different way than the body we have judged or feared the body as a not as a one solid thing but more as a river river of sensations, of impressions, sound impressions, visual impressions, tactile impressions. The body has a field of experiences. Expansions, contractions, pressure, lightness, weight, space, maybe. If we were not to uh, identify, take ownership of the body, but just allow these impressions to come and go. Warmth, coolness, the play of the elements. Earth, water, air, fire.
What if we were to free the body from identification, ownership, appropriation? body breathing itself by itself Discovering the living body, sensitive body, the play of sensations and impressions. There might be the discovery also of the qualities of the mind right now. Emotions, qualities of mind appearing and disappearing, transforming or fluctuating in their own way. Could it be possible to not make this me or I or mine, just allow the moods, like the weather, to come and go, to be? there be some buoyancy, maybe some lightness of heart as we allow the body to feel what it feels and the heart to feel what it feels. be possible to even release a little bit the identification with knowing. Knowing happens maybe very naturally. A sound is known, a sensation is known. Is it possible to release some of the identification with this very natural process of knowing? knowing happening by itself, naturally. What if I don't make it me or mine or I? Freeing knowing from appropriation.
allowing things to happen as they do without grasping if at all possible allowing the thoughts moods sensations to come to be for a while and to morph disappear
Notice the quality of the mind right now. No judgments. It's just factual. We want to know. Is the mind uh, hooked by some desire, wanting, obsessed by something it wants that is not present? Is the mind aversive, hating something? Or is the mind in sloth and torpor? Or agitated? visited by doubt and what would be helpful here maybe reconnecting with the surroundings the environment waking up to what's happening here in the physical realm body sitting, standing lying, breathing, hearing. Waking up to what is happening here, coolness, warmth. There's a possibility to practice renunciation, abandoning a theme that the mind is easily hooked on, putting it down for a moment. Be appreciating what is there. Oh, there's some quiet here, or some contentment, or joy, or the mind is uh, experiencing curiosity for what is happening now, able to touch, be touched in contact with what is happening here. Thank you. So just because I think about it now, uh, I'm wondering if uh, for the next sit, one of us would like to come here. And I'm uh, just wondering, I'm not sure, but uh, if, um, you know, if there hasn't been, it might be good if there was a a non-binary person who wanted to come here or a trans person uh, I'm not sure if it did happen or not but I think it would be a good thing if it did not yes okay, let's see I'll ask again after the Q&A we'll see if Somebody volunteers. I don't know what how it would be if there was nobody and no bell rang at the end of the half hour. That might be an interesting experiment. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll just say this uh, kind of quickly. 
so in, in this uh, particular invitation, uh, as I understand it, of the Buddha to become aware of this passage from affliction to helpful qualities of mind, one of the ways to talk about this is this movement from the f- five hindrances to the seven factors of awakening. For those of you who know, uh, have a reference for this. So the hindrances are the, the when we're under the grip of desire, not being able to be fully here because we're obsessed by something we would want to happen or believe should happen, etc. So, so when we're under the grip of greed, uh, we could say hatred is another one or aversion. Uh, uh, the lack of energy that is sloth, torpor, apathy, the too much energy that is agitation, or the, the doubt, the mind that uh, is kind of paralyzed or stopped moving by, you know, stop the practice by saying, I don't know if it's going to work, I don't know. And so how to go from these states that are difficult to feel in the meditation, in the retreat, and in life also. And to go from this to a mind that... Um, and I'll, uh, to just to talk briefly about these seven factors, I won't get into it, but we could think of just two sets of uh, qualities. And that might be a way we practice today, curious about this. It says, let's find out for ourselves, but when there is calming qualities in the mind, and at the same time energizing qualities in the mind, that when there's a balance of both, they're being uh, invited and cultivated, it's really... it's things being conditional, it's the conditions for wisdom to arise. So it means a measure of calm and a measure of curiosity that allows me to actually feel the step. Because if I, my mind is agitated, I won't be able to feel. And if there's not interest for reality, for phenomena, and so what we're cultivating here very progressively is this invitation, oh, my love, can we feel this? Can we feel the breath? Can we bring interest for the breath? Can we have enough calm to actually experience it? And so doing this at the meal time, in the food line, when we're in the room, walking, standing, sitting, lying down, just one measure of calm and one measure of curiosity. That's to me, I'm talking here personally, it's a way for me to practice. I sit here, you know, and I invite this. How can there be some amount of calm instead of you know, cultivating agitation unknowingly. Could I invite some calm? Going uh, back to the breath, maybe, or the touch points, might be grounding the body, grounding the attention in the body or in the environment, might be a way for me to bring uh, some calm, you know, instead of just habitually spinning in my mind with stories. You know. So we can play with this. Are there questions, comments, nuances that you would like to name here? Could you speak just a little bit, because I'm just next to the vent, and it's hard for me to, I really want to hear you well. Sure. To what extent does someone um, Thank you. change their life after retreats, or do they try to take things from a tree home, or do they recognize this is a singular, different kind of experience apart from everyday life, or do you find a balance? What, what happens now? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for asking. And I think maybe this afternoon or certainly tomorrow we'll be uh, talking more about taking the practice home. And it's a very important, uh, essential question for sure. Um, The first thing I'll say, I might offer just a few reflections on this, but the first thing I'll say is just to say again, this is very precious. This time of retreat is very precious. And sometimes the mind you know, wants to, okay, so how am I going to implement this or integrate this? Very valid question. And often the answer at this point of the retreat is like, oh, let's take really good care of this day because we might find uh, 
not through words, but through experience, how this can be integrated. And also it's this time of retreat where we go in this very particular lab. You know, it might be for some people, very few on earth, a lifestyle. That's not exactly what we're suggesting. We're saying, no, we're going on retreat. We're going in a place where we can explore more closely because we're not so busy, not so much stimulation, etc. So, so today is very precious. And one of the answers is taking care of what is here now is one of the best ways to know that we'll be able to take care of that when it will show up, of then when it will be then. So that's like a, a kind of an engagement. I'm, I'm learning to really take care about now. So when I'll be in the next now, I'll take care of that, you know. And I'm not trying to play with your mind saying this, you know. It's a real, real uh, way to consider things, you know, that because the mind has a tendency to, yeah, but later and later and what will happen later. And here we're saying, no, I'm taking care of now. Because we can live a whole life, huh? When this is done, when I'm taking care of this, like always kind of postponing in a way of, of giving value to later, And here, there's a radicality to what we're doing. We're saying, here, we're taking care of here, you know. And so that's one of the f things. Another thing I'll just say here is uh, body, environment, is what we're studying here. I think tomorrow, next week, there will probably be body, environment. Mind state is what we're inter interested in here there will probably be mind states <laughs> later. So a lot of the elements, although the form, I agree, is slightly different or dramatically different, the individual elements that we're studying here are exactly those that make our life. Pleasure, displeasure, oh la la. You know, it happens on retreat and it happens in life, you know. And so these are the same thing. Accompanying a mind that is... Um, you know, either rigid or, or charged and to how to bring some kind of balance uh, back is something that we'll be doing here today with the frustrations that happen with our own mind, with the situation with the others maybe, etc. This is the same kind of thing we'll want to do at home, like notice that there's big charge and how to release some of this charge or to balance things or, you know, so, yeah, it's amazing like this, and more will be said. Thank you for bringing this absolutely essential question. Yeah, that's a, another good question. All questions are good. And this one uh, also is an important one. And you know what? Uh, my initial response here is uh, how interesting a field of research, no? The different nuances of something maybe where there's a big, large rubric, rubric in French, like, a, like a big umbrella. And underneath that, there's maybe many different experiences and uh, nuances and intensity to, to the thing. And so, um, yeah, sometimes the mind, let's say like uh, just one of the nuances is there'll be some amount of, because I was talking about calm, this balance of calming factors and energizing factor. So sometimes what will happen is I'm sitting here and the mind has some calm to it, meaning I'm not uh, struggling with the story and charged with, You know, it's just, uh, there's some balance in the mind, there's some quietness, it's not overactive, you know. It's, so there's a presence, I can, I'm, can feel either the temperature or the, hear the sound, you know. And there's some quietness, it might not be the greatest quietness ever, but there's some, and some balance of mind, and some presence and concentration, so the mind is not totally dispersed and distracted, it's here, it's here. And... Maybe there's not as much curiosity in the mind. So what will happen is I go from a kind of a quiet uh, presence to a quiet absence, you know, because there's a lack of energy. So the mind is like, oh, it's just there, it's just there. And then it gets a little blurry, and then whoops, dreamlike. So that's a kind of slot. 
and it can be readjusted by just raising the energy either physically or mentally yeah so sometimes it shows up like this sometimes it shows up as like oh bell rings oh we're going to go for a walk no 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 not another walk you know <laughs> and then we come back oh let's sit no 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 You can't believe, like, it's a never-ending cycle of sit-walk, you know? And, and the mind doesn't have the energy. Or at home, you know, it's like, okay, I don't know, Saturday morning would be good to clean up a bit. You know, no, I don't want to work or clean up or make that call, you know? There's, there's not, and so this is another kind of, uh, of something that... I've, and so here, the thing is, we don't judge it. We just become interested in it. And... You see, how could the sloth or, you know, the, the flatness of mind lead to humor, to tenderness again, to, oh, it's hard, my love, you don't want to do this now. Of course you don't. You know, this is not the most agreeable thing to do. It's going to take time. And so how to accompany oneself. So become aware, aware of it. Uh, often the two first days of a retreat, there's a lot of sloth. It takes time to find the right balance. We go from agitation to sloth, you know, and it might still be happening, no? It's, like it's hard to find the right balance. of, uh, But it does happen sometimes where suddenly, for a few moments, it could be a, a, just a few moments where suddenly there's no problem of energy. It doesn't even occur in our mind. Huh? There's not like too much energy or too little energy. There's just, just enough energy to be with this, to be with this, bite of muffin or this taste of coffee just enough there's no and so it's also part of the study to know oh voila here's a place where energy is, is not an issue it doesn't even appear in the mind as a problem so these are just a few words around this maybe one last thing I said this one last thing for myself it's kind of instruction it often doesn't work so well uh, is, um, you know, sometimes it can also be a kind of a defense mechanism. And so, you, you know, one of the, it's, and we want to honor this, it's, it, you know, there's things that the psyche maybe is not ready to feel. So it's one of the devices, there's many, you know, and one of them might be to fall asleep and stuff. So sometimes if we want to play with this, uh, might be just to say, oh, what would I feel? if there was not sleepiness here. And maybe it's a way to s gently open, slightly open the door to what, you know, grief or loneliness, or, and just touch in a bit. You know? But it's delicate. What we do here is that we're um, very slowly building, uh, cultivating the qualities that will allow us to let go of the defense mechanism. Because it looks like nothing, but we're developing a you know, quality of presence that can be with discomfort, uh, with courage, with compassion, with uh, not making it so personal, not blaming, kind of honesty that uh, you know, won't cling. So slowly we're developing this capacity, and at some point, whoops, the mechanism fall away because we're able to hold something you know, with more tenderness, more courage, or something like this. It's a very gradual process. Okay. Thank you very much. And let's go now in the field of uh, nature and reality to explore this. So would somebody uh, volunteer to, anybody, to come here and uh, allow us to be in the groups and... Uh, of the full conversation that needs to happen. Thank you very much. Okay. Maybe time to walk. No! Great <laughs> <laughs>